You are holy. You are holy. You are holy. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. You are the I am. Father, before you there is none. After you there is nobody. Oh my God. If it hasn't been for your love. If it hasn't been for your grace. Where will we have been? Oh Lord, we are standing here. On solid ground. On this holy place. Because of your doing. We were not worthy. But you made us worthy. So Lord, speak to us this morning. We are ready to receive your word. Oh, may your word come like a double-edged sword. Carve through our souls. Carve through our heart. Whatever we need from you, Lord, grant it unto us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 And all the saints say, amen. 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 We give God glory for yet another wonderful Sunday. Huh. It's my first time, so pardon me if I make mistakes. I hope grace is abundant. Oh, we thank God. We thank God. We thank God. Yeah, I just want to give glory to um, Lord for all your lives. I just want to thank God for Pastor who is not here, but I still have to acknowledge him, right? Because if it wasn't for uh, the mercy, for his mercy, for the gift that God has given him, I wouldn't be here right now. But he's given me this opportunity to be uh, to use his podium to minister the word unto you. I also want to acknowledge the man of God who is standing in his seat, or uh, who is sitting in his seat, uh, Minister Eric, uh, for a good job that he's done. <laughs> it's a big seat, but he's doing a good job. I want to acknowledge the leaders uh, in this house uh, for this opportunity granted me. And I want to acknowledge you for being here. Because if you weren't here, well, you know what? I'll just close my Bible and then go home quietly. Yeah. So turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. Oh. If, you, if your neighbor is not saying it, turn to another neighbor. Say, neighbor. I am glad you are here with me. I am glad you are going to listen to the word of God with me. Amen. Amen. Shall we turn our Bibles to Ephesians? I'm going to be very brief and quick. I don't want to take much of your time. Uh, you already know the word, so I'm, not, I'm just going to be here and then say some stuff. And then after I sit, we, we go home. All right? Is that fine? It's fine with you. All right. Ephesians chapter 6. We've been going through a teaching um, lately, and um, my predecessors have done a very good job. So as I say, once again, forgive me if I don't do that bad. Right? They talked about the um, birth of truth and then the breastplate of righteousness. I am here to talk to you about what? The readiness, fitting your feet with the readiness of the gospel. With a subtopic saying, which means being successful in the faith. Being successful in the faith. My first question to you is, how do you define success? Right? Many of us try to define success by the things that we have. Right? If today I have a lot of money, then I'm successful. If I have a lot of cars, I'm successful. If I have a house, I am, I am there. Right? But if I don't have those things, does it mean I'm not successful? Does it mean I'm not successful? How do you, how do you determine that? Oh, it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> so you think about it. Right? 
how do you, how do you determine that, right? I'm a coach, so I love to always go back to my roots as coaching and then um, Easter, right? One time I was, I was allowed, I was asked to talk to um, parents, right? And I was telling them, um, this year wasn't a successful year for us. And we're like, no, it was great. It was beautiful. It was nice. I was basing their success on what? On not winning the state championship. But they were like, oh, we've seen different things. Our children have developed. Our children's ball skills have worked, worked out well. It was fun watching you all. And I, at the back of my mind, I'm like, you people don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. I know probably you go home and then you're like, man, this guy is terrible. He's doing a bad job and he, he thinks he's all. But that was, that, that was it. They were basing it on the growth of their kids. Right? As Christians... Our success is based on our happiness, on the joy, on the peace that we have. So turn with me real quick to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, I start from verse 10. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stop right there. If you're reading the Bible and you see the word finally, which means there's something better to come. Right, Paul was writing this to the church of Ephesus, and he had written a lot of words to them. He has told them about the Spirit of God, how the Spirit can nurture them, how the Spirit can quicken them, how it is not by their works, but it is by grace and all that. And then now he's coming to a key point here, saying, finally. And I love it, because he says, be strong where? I will take my seat. It says, be strong where? In the Lord. There's a reason why it says in the Lord. And in the strength of what? His might. It didn't say your strength. It didn't say be strong on your own. But in the Lord. The key there is in the Lord. We always forget that. We always think when we come into Christ, it's all about us. It is all about me. It is all my doing. Let me give you a very good example. Go with me to the book of Genesis. Right? Don't put it on the board, please. Go with me. I'm just, I'll just, um, Genesis. If that's in chapter 2. When, the, when, when, when Adam and Eve were being tempted, right? When the tempter came, he came and then he spoke stuff that God told them not to do. Right? But Adam and Eve did not consider God. What did they consider? Themselves. It was about me. 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 And that's the world right now we live in. It's all about me. We forget that it is not about us. It is about God. God had given them everything that they needed. But they wanted to be more successful than what they have. They didn't know that all the success that was given them is in that garden that they were in there. So what happened? They fell. And sin came to the world. And it leads us to this, that we should finally be strong in the Lord and in his might. Are we strong in the Lord this morning? Are you being strong in the Lord this morning? Right? And he says, if you go to the, the next verse, verse 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God. Right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. First, he tells you to be strong in him, and then he tells you to put on him. That armor is your identity as a Christian. 
That armor is your identity as your Christian, right? Because once you become a Christian, you fight against a lot of things. And I'm going to get it. We are going to get there. Right? It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. This is verse 12. Against the rulers of the darkness of, the, of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and brings us to where we are now, and having shod your feet, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having shot your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Amen. I find it so ironic that when he got there, when Paul got to that place, he said, shot your feet with the preparation. He didn't say, shot your feet with the gospel of peace. He said, preparation, which means it's telling us something. That we need to be prepared for the things that are going to come our way. Right? This came by uh, the, uh, the armor or the, 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 the Romans at that time when they dressed their armor, they wear something called greaves. Greaves, they used to, uh, they put it on their shin. It covers their shin. It protects their shin. You know why they do that? Oh. The reason why they do that is their enemies secretly set traps on the road. Like ropes, right? So when they are going, and I've, I, if you, I'm, I'm talking as if I'm there, but I wasn't there. I watched it on the TV, right? When they are going, they march like this, right? So when you're marching away, and you don't have that grief because of the wires that are tangled around that you cannot see, that thing can cut you, and when you are cut, you fall, right? But that grief was made of bronze. It was a it was a strong metal. So when they go this way, it cuts the trap, right? So you can see, and I don't know, you can, you can look it up. It's like this all the time, which means those who can match that way uh, are, are successful in battle. So you always see them marching together in groups. Paul was using this to tell us that we should hold fast in the faith. Remember, he has already said, Put on what? The, breast, uh, the belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Those two things are key to our Christian walk. They are the foundations of our Christian walk. If you are truthful in everything you do, and you are righteous, you begin to get enemies. And the enemies set up traps for you. So if you are not prepared... If you don't have that grief on her, if you don't have that gospel, and if you're not holding fast to that faith, you go and then you trip. You trip, you're like, why did I fall? You don't understand why you fell. Because you have not held fast. You've not stood firm in the faith. You've not been successful in that faith. You've not learned the word of God. The gospel brings peace to us. And that peace that that gospel brings it doesn't just bring peace to you, but it brings the peace of, the, of God upon your life. It brings the peace of God from you to others. So you constantly have that peace to the point when something is bothering you. You don't let it get to you because you know your God is in control. You know God is about to save you. You know finally He is coming to save you. 
How many of us can, can literally say we are, we, we are prepared with the gospel? We are holding fast. How many of us? How many of us? I wrote here, to be successful, you need to have a resolution of the heart. Are we resolved in our heart yet? You ask, what is the resolution that you need? You need to abide by the gospel and adhere to it to enable you to walk steadily in the faith. Just like the Roman soldiers, because of that that they had, they couldn't fall and they kept coming. And they came like legions. Not even one fell. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 makes us know it's a very common verse. Right? It says what? The all scripture is God bread and is given. What? Hey. I guess that is why we need, a, we need to prepare for the gospel. It says all scripture is God breath and is given for what? Correction. For reproach. Right? And then what? To make they wise unto salvation from faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Wait, that's not the right one. 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17. Oh. Every scripture is inspired. Oh, I like the King James Version better. And it's also profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, which is in righteousness. So God has given us the scriptures to help us in our work, to help us be successful in everything we do, to help us in where we go. The second one is you need peace. You need peace with God, with yourself, with one another. John 16, 33, Jesus came and he said, And in me, I have, I have come that you may have peace. Peace that is through me, but not of this world. If you think the world is going to give you peace, the world is lying to you. You will never get peace through the world, but you will get peace through God. The third thing I wrote here is living a life of repentance, which is key. It's key because when we live a life of repentance, there is no room for temptation to take place. And do you understand what I mean by that? If you live a life of repentance, if you live a life that you always keep forgiving people of their sins, forgiving yourselves of, of the sins that you have committed, there is no room for temptation. The, 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 the enemy's schemes doesn't really affect you. Because once that person comes to you, offends you, you understand the key to let go. Right? But if you don't, if you don't understand that, then it becomes trouble. And it's quite funny, very, very, very funny, right? You know, sometimes you're studying the word and, and, and you're, you're, you're looking for a message and God allows it to happen. And you're like, really? This just happened, right? Yesterday I, was, I, I wasn't in a good mood. Yeah, yesterday I wasn't in a good mood. And, and <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't in a good mood, right? But... I was, I was going through my thoughts. I was sitting at home going through my thoughts. 
And the Spirit of God came and said, well, you wanted to talk about shodding your feet um, with the preparation of the gospel. This is it right here. And I'm like, oh, Lord, I did it again. Right? And, and it's funny, it's funny how we do not realize it. We do not realize it until the Spirit comes and convicts us. And once we are convicted, we are like, oh, I just did it again. I didn't want to do it, but I did it again. So I went on my, feet, on my knees and I was like, Father, forgive me. I pray I'll repent from this. I'm not going to be angry again. I'm not going to be upset again. Right? But that is, that is little things that tweak our, our walk with God. I'm not saying anger is bad or being upset is bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you, should, you, don't, you don't have to let that come between you and your walk with God. Because when that happens, then the enemy finds ways to destroy a relationship that you have. That is why he says you have to have room for repentance. Because if you have room for repentance, that gap is always closed and the enemy will not have the opportunity to come and then do whatever they want to do. Amen? So tell, my, tell yourself, Father, I repent. I repent from everything that I know. Uh, yeah, you all know me. I'm not. <laughs> Amen? And lastly, what I wrote is, because our feet is short, with the preparation of the gospel, we are not easily provoked nor prone to quarrel, but we show all gentleness, long-suffering to all men. Amen? We are not easily provoked. We don't just get into a quarrel, but we show long-suffering. We become patient. If this thing is not working out, we are patient with it. It was, it was funny and ironic how we're talking about being patient in Bible studies. And I was like, I don't want to talk because it's, it's part of my message this morning. Right? But Christians, we are not patient enough. We are not patient enough. We want to be that successful. We want to be this. Right? And I don't blame us. I, I don't blame us at all. Because we live in a fast food world. Right? Drive, 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 drive through. Everything fast food. Everything fast. Everything, everything, everything. So we also want fast. Blessings fast. Everything fast. Let this happen. Let this happen. Let this happen. Instead of saying, hold it. Let me think through it. Let God have his way. Right? I'm here to encourage you this morning. Whatever it is that has been troubling you, whatever it is that is going on, you need to be patient with it. You need to understand to hold fast. You need to understand that Christ Jesus came down just solely for you for that. You need to understand that he has granted you everything. You need to understand that you are successful where you are right now. You need to understand that God has ordained this opportunity for you right now. You need to understand that it is not by your own appointment, but it is a divine appointment where you are. You need to understand that it is not a mistake, but God has allowed it to happen. You need to understand that if you wait patiently on him, he makes all things beautiful. How many of us are willing to wait? 
how many of us are willing to wait? The waiting is the hard part. It is a hard part. Right? We all want to see Jesus someday. We all want to see God. But we don't want to wait for him. If you don't want to wait to, if I say go die right now, you are not going to die. Right? So, are we willing to wait for God? I'm bringing my message to an end. But I want us to read something in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23. Talking of holding fast. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Can we all read it together? Can we all read it together? Let us hold fast the confession of our hope that if not, for he is faithful that promised. He who promised you, when you came into Christ, when he said, I have received you, he is still at work doing wonderful stuff in your life. Just hold fast. Do not rush. Do not let the world deceive you. Do not let the world take you away from the great things that God is about to do in your life. For he is our king of kings. Amen. Shall we please be on our feet?